Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord. It is such an honor to be able to minister to you today. Uh, we give God praise for everything that He has done. And we welcome you to this Wednesday night service. And so we give honor to Pastor and Sister Boyd for extending this invitation, allowing us to preach this life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Psalm 16 and 11 said, In His presence there is fullness of joy, and at His right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And while we may not be together physically, His Spirit can unite us no matter where you are at or what you are doing. And so we're going to dive right into the Word of God. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to draw our text from the book of Amos, the 8th chapter, and the 11th verse. And also going to read one verse of Scripture from 1 Samuel chapter 3, and verse number 1. But first, let's turn our attention to the book of Amos, the 8th chapter, verses 11 and 12. And the Bible tells us this, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 3, and just one verse of Scripture, verse number 1, and it tells us this, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. It tells us in the second portion of this verse that the word of the Lord was precious in those days. I want to speak to us tonight on this subject, Earth's Most Precious Commodity. Earth's Most Precious Commodity. So let's pray and ask God to anoint the Word and anoint those that will be hearing the Word of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are thankful for your presence and for your Spirit. God, you are aware of every situation, of every circumstance, of every crisis that people are facing. Lord, we're asking right now that you would anoint, minister, and speak to the hearts of the people. God, we give you all praise, give you all glory, and give you all honor. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, you and I live on a planet that is filled with rich and natural resources. 
And oftentimes you don't have to look very far, but you can see it nearly everywhere you look. Ponds, lakes, and rivers are filled with water. And water is a commodity that we use every single day. We drink water, we clean with water, and we bathe and wash in water. And something that we can't even fathom life without it. However, there are other resources that are not easily seen. Uh, there are some that will go to great lengths. Uh, some that will even risk their lives on a daily basis. Will use labor-intensive methods. All because they are trying to find this commodity that is dark in color, rock-like in substance, and ugly to the eye, it is a substance called coal. Coal is the largest source of energy in our world. Coal has a unique property in that when it burns, a large amount of heat is released, and in turn it gives us energy. It is what gives us light, electricity, and power. While coal may not look valuable, and it may not smell real good, and it may not be very pleasant to the touch, coal is what helps our societies run. It keeps the lights on in our cities, and it brings power to our communities. Just like coal, the same holds true with the Word of God. At first glance, it doesn't seem very glitzy. It doesn't seem very flashy to the eye. And it may not seem valuable to those that are on the outside looking in. But when you begin to apply and heat the Word of God, it can turn into earth's most precious commodity. Hebrews, the fourth chapter and the twelfth verse says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When the Word is active, it can strengthen hands that are weak. When the Word becomes hot and alive, it can lift those that are lowly. It can encourage those that are discouraged. It can bless those that are down. Just the power of His Word. And as what leads us to our text, the book of 1 Samuel, the third chapter. It was a time of transition for God's people. For so long, the priest by the name of Eli was in charge of the house and ministry of the Lord. Eli was the one that did more than just talk the talk, but literally he walked the walk. But now the era of Eli was coming to an end. And his leadership was about to be passed down to his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And while Eli was powerful and persistent and passionate, that was not passed down to his sons. 
No, these young men did not share the same principles as their father. They did not walk in the same dignity and integrity of their dad. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that what they were doing was awful to say the very least. His sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were stealing the offering during the service of the Lord. They were committing transgressions. They were carrying on inappropriate relationships and even laying with women in the tabernacle. They were doing things that Eli would have never dreamed of doing in his life. And the word of God was suffering during this time because of this transition from Eli to his sons. The word of God was being preached, but it wasn't powerful like before. The word of God was being announced, but it was no longer becoming anointed. It was declared, but it was just different. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that the word was becoming rare. The word was becoming precious. Oftentimes, it would be completely passed over, and you wouldn't even hear one word from God. This brings us to a time where there was a woman by the name of Hannah, and Hannah had a prayer She had a request and supplication that she needed answered from the Lord. Hannah wanted a child and never underestimate the power of a praying woman. She was so desperate. She so longed to have a baby of her own. She didn't know what to do. She didn't know how to react. She didn't know what action she needed to take. And so we find Hannah at her wit's end. And we find her in the sanctuary of the Lord. And she is pouring her heart out to God like she never had before. She is holding absolutely nothing back. She is praying with every fiber of her being. She is worshiping with every ounce of energy that she possessed. Uh, She even went so far that while she was praying and calling out to God, her lips were moving, but there was no words coming out. Sometimes you reach a place of prayer that you feel the burden and the passion, but you don't even know what else to say. And Hannah had reached this place. She was trying to come in contact with heaven. She was trying to bring the Lord's presence down to where she was at. She was in this moment with the master. She was being caught up in the spirit realm, calling and worshiping and praising God like she never had before. But while she was in this holy place praying, the Bible tells us that Eli the priest walked in. And when he saw Hannah... He became upset, angry at her actions. His first thought was this woman has gotten drunk. Now she's in the sanctuary and she's bringing reproach on this holy tabernacle. And so he comes near to where Hannah is. And I can just envision this being played out. 
I can almost hear his words as he tells this young lady, you ought to be ashamed of yourself acting the way you are, drinking, uh, having some kind of wine, and then uh, bringing yourself into this holy place. And when he said those words, Hannah paused for a moment. Uh, I could see her looking down at the ground and then looking back, finally responding back to Eli and saying, Eli, I'm not drunk. I've not been drinking wine. I don't know what you're thinking, but I'm not intoxicated. I'm not out of my mind, but I'm having a moment with the Lord. And I'm crying out to God because I need him and I need him right now. I find it very interesting that Eli had gotten so removed that he couldn't even distinguish a move of God. He had gotten so far away from the power of heaven, from the operation of the supernatural, from the glory of the Lord descending in that sanctuary, that he couldn't tell if somebody was acting up or if they were being filled up by the Spirit. That's a dangerous place to be that you can't even tell if someone is under the uh, operation of the Spirit of God. If they are feeling the touch of heaven and the mighty manifestation of the miraculous power of God. And so when Eli realizes what he did, he stops and he makes this apology to Hannah. Hannah tells him that I've been praying for a child. I've been praying for a son. and I want this baby more than anything in the world. And Eli begins to operate under the power of God again. And he begins to prophesy to Hannah. Tells her that you will have a child. By this time next year you're going to have a baby boy in your arms. And Hannah is so taken back that she says, if you, what you say is correct, and if God has really heard my prayer, and if God has really answered my request, then this child that God gives me, I'm going to give him back to the service of the Lord. And just what Eli had said is exactly what came to pass. It's Hannah became pregnant, and then she had a child named Samuel. And when she had this baby of her own, she did not back up on her deal. She did not pull away from her vow. Ecclesiastes tells us in Ecclesiastes 5 and 4, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. We've got to remember what we say in prayer in a moment at an altar call. God still hears what we have said. God still writes down the promises that we make to him. And Hannah remembered her promise to the Lord. And so she came to the household of God and she gave her baby back to Eli. I don't know if she realized the magnitude of her decision that day. I don't know if she could have ever envisioned a future where her child would be a prophet of the Lord. 
I don't know if she could have ever imagined that it was going to be her baby boy that would find a young man by the name of David and anoint him the next king over all of Israel. I don't know if she could have ever fathomed that it was her baby boy that would be used as a speaker and as a prophet to the nation of Israel. Sometimes it's not even our contribution to the kingdom, but it's who you raise. If I could preach to some mothers and fathers, sometimes it's not even about our sacrifices and our energy and our effort. But if you can raise that son and you can raise that daughter in the house of God, heaven only knows what your baby's going to become. Who knows it may be your child to be the next missionary. It may be your son to be the next pastor. It may be your daughter that will reach a world with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. You just never know what your son or what your daughter can become if you raise them in the church. Because Samuel was so small and so young, but he was raised up under the direction of Eli. And we find him in this third chapter of our text. We find Samuel being trained under Eli. And so it came about at nighttime. Time for everybody to go to sleep. And Eli went to his room. And Samuel went to his room. Something very unique began to take place. While Samuel was laying on his bed, he heard a voice call his name. So Samuel got up, left his room, and went and knocked on Eli's door. Something that Moms and dads are used to late at night, your kids knocking on your door. I think I heard you call my name. And Eli, when he heard it was Sam, he said, no, Samuel, I didn't call you. You must be hearing something. Just go back, lay down, get your blanket, get your pillow, and go back to sleep. And so Samuel did exactly what Eli told him to do. He went back to his room, laid his head on the pillow, covered up with his blanket. And yet something happened again, just like it did before. God called Samuel. Samuel got up, went back to the room of Eli, knocked on the door, said, Eli, I know you have called me. And Eli, getting frustrated, Samuel, go back to sleep. I know you're just wanting to stay up. I know you're not wanting to go to your bed and go uh, go to sleep. But I'm telling you, it's time to go to bed. And I can see this kid with his blanket in his hand going back to his room, crawling in his bed, maybe even throwing that blanket over top of him because he knows he's hearing somebody's voice. And now it happened again. God spoke to Samuel. Samuel, almost nervous, gets up, goes back and knocks on the door of Eli's room. He says, Eli, I know you have called me. But now 
almost like a light bulb going off. Eli understands what's happening. He says, Samuel, this time, when you hear the voice, call your name. I want you to respond back like this. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Samuel hears the direction of Eli, goes back to his bed. I find it very interesting that even though it was God calling Samuel, Samuel couldn't distinguish between the voice of God and the voice of his pastor. It sounded so similar that he couldn't tell the difference between the two. Hey, don't underestimate the power that comes with a word from your pastor. He's in tune with heaven. He's under the direction of the Lord himself. And maybe, just maybe, he knows what's needing to happen in our lives. And so Samuel goes back. And when it happens this time, instead of running to Eli's room, he says what Eli tells him to say. He says, speak, Lord. For your servant hears. And in a moment, God visits Samuel. God begins to show him. Now remember, Samuel's just a kid. Verse number 7, 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. In other words, he didn't have a long-standing relationship with him. He didn't know every word of the scriptures. He wasn't a prolific speaker like Eli was. But yet God chose to speak to Samuel and show him what was getting ready to happen. Sometimes God wants to do marvelous things in our children's lives. Sometimes God wants to raise up kids to be a spokesman, to be a hope, to be a messenger for those that need to hear the word of God. And God begins to drop this on Samuel. Not just something light, but it's something so heavy. He tells him, that the judgment is coming to Eli's house because Eli did not restrain Hophni and Phinehas. But God will have a people. God's righteousness will prevail. And if Eli doesn't act, Eli will be cut off and so will his sons. And so Samuel gets up the next morning. He comes in contact with Eli. The very first thing Eli says, Now Samuel... What did the Lord say to you last night? I think Samuel had a quick moment of forgetfulness. I don't know what he said. You know, he was not about to dare tell Eli what God had just spoken to him. But Eli said, now Samuel, if you don't tell me what the Lord told you, every judgment that God said was going to happen is going to visit you. And sometimes you've got to be careful telling a kid to speak his mind. That's a, that's a dangerous predicament to put yourself in when you can look at a little child and say, tell me what you're really feeling. As Eli asked, and brother, he got an answer back. Samuel started spilling the beans, and he told him everything. He said, God is the one that puts you in your position God's going to be the one that removes you from your position. 
because you did not restrain your sons, Hophni and Phinehas, because you let unrighteousness and ungodliness and immorality prevail. God is now going to judge your house, and the glory could be taken if no action is made. And when he said that to Eli, Eli could say nothing else, but that's the word of the Lord. See, the word had gotten so precious, it had gotten so rare, that God had to raise up a child to say, this is a word from God. And oh, what would happen today if we would open our ears and we would open our hearts and we would open our souls to say, God, I need to hear from you. The prophet Amos said in the last days, God's going to send a famine. But it's not going to be a famine of food to eat. It's not going to be a famine of water to drink. It won't be a famine where money runs low. But it's going to be a famine of the word of the Lord. And here we are. And most of us could say that we have food and plenty of food to eat. We have water. We have drinks. Anything that we desire, we can have. We have houses that we live in, beds that we sleep on, vehicles that we drive, nice clothes that we wear. But the question is, do you know where a word from God is coming? I don't want to be sidetracked. I don't want to be too caught up in my daily life that I forget what matters more than anything else in this life. I got to hear a word from God. The word does what nothing else can do. That centurion soldier in Matthew chapter 8 told Jesus, he said, Jesus, I know your power. And the only thing I ask is you, if you would just speak the word, speak the word, my servant will be healed. It was on that boat when the storm was raging and the lives of the disciples were flashing before their eyes that Jesus got up and said, peace be Still, it was the word that calmed the storm. It was the word that stopped the rain from falling. It was the word that stopped the lightning from flashing and the thunder from rolling. It was that word, that commodity that is so precious that when it has become active, it can bring healing to when we are sick. That word, when it becomes active, it can bring a blessing to when we are feeling empty. It's that word that when we need comfort, there'll be a comfort that money cannot buy, a peace that passes all understanding, a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. It's the word that we need so desperately today. Uh, even throughout the pages of our Bible, over and over again in the Scriptures, we see times when darkness and dilemma and distress was prevailing. We see it when sickness and pandemics were beginning to ensue. A time in Second Kings where it had gotten so bad that people were turning on each other. It got so ugly, it got so vile that some even began to eat each other. It had gotten so bad. And that's when they got upset. 
How could God allow this to happen? Why would God allow this to transpire? The Bible says there was an old prophet by the name of Elisha. And Elisha began to hear a word from the Lord. And that's what the people really needed. And in the book of 2 Kings, the 7th chapter, in the first verse, this is what Elisha said. He said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow, about this time, a measure of flour will be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. In other words, he said, by this time tomorrow, there'll be no issue with our money or our currency. By this time tomorrow, we're going to have food, all you can eat and all you could ever want. But he was speaking to the people that were in this moment of discouragement. They were so burdened down. They were so heavy with everything that they were facing. That one man spoke up in verse number 2. He said, oh man of God, if the Lord made windows in heaven, this thing would not be. God's not going to do this. This word that you spoke, it's never going to come to pass. And how could it come to pass in just one single day? It was then that Elisha looked at that man and said, Oh, this will happen. You will see it with your eyes, but you will not be able to enjoy it for yourself. Friend of mine, it was one day later, and God answered the prayer through four lepers who brought about a deliverance to God's people. They had the best garments. They were eating the finest foods. And when the word finally came to the people, what God had done, this man's life ended in the joy and the exuberance of those that heard the word. When this word comes... I don't want to be so burdened down with my problems that I can't receive it. And I know that many of us tonight, we're feeling the adversity. We're feeling the pain that comes from this world. I know that right now many of us are feeling it deep down in our soul. But I've got an assurance. I've got a promise. And I've got a confidence from the Lord. That even though it's a dark and a difficult time, there is a word, there is a commodity that is richer than money. There is a commodity that's more filling than the finest foods. There is a commodity that's more satisfying than the precious water and the freshest water that you could ever drink. It's a word from heaven that can minister to your soul. It's a word from heaven that God wants to send a refreshing right where you are at. Even while you are watching this video in this moment, I feel the presence of God coming to where you are at. I feel him lifting you up. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost even as I'm speaking this word right now. God's encouragement is coming. God's peace is coming your way. God's comfort is going to show up in your house and in your family. Oh, this word, it is rich. It is precious. And it is unlike any other.
I wonder right where you're at. Could you raise your hands with me? I feel the hand of heaven coming upon us. Come on, would you open your heart and let me pray for you this evening. Father, in the name of Jesus, we feel the presence of God even right now. God, you see the tears that have been cried. You've heard the questions that have been asked. You know the pain that has been afflicted. God, right now, would you wrap your arms of love around these precious people? God, let this word come as a token and as a beacon of light in a dark time. Jesus, I pray for every man and woman, every teenager and child that is watching this clip, that is able to listen to this sermon. God, I pray right now we stand in the gap and we rebuke the devourer. We bind the adversary. We take authority over the prince and the power of the air. We declare and decree that Satan is defeated and you are under our feet. And we hope in the promise of the word of God that says weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. We're not always going to weep. We won't always be in this place. We won't always being seen this pandemic in a moment but one day we're going to see the hand of heaven in operation and we're going to look back to this moment and say I remember the words that you gave I remember the promise and the encouragement that was spoken God I pray go with us throughout our week walk with us talk with us tell us again that we are your own God, we cover each and every member, every visitor, any guest that may be watching this. We cover them with the blood that you shed on the cross of Calvary. And we pray the richest blessings upon them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you today. Thank you for taking time to be part of this service. We pray the richest blessings on Hatchbin Apostolic Church. Remember to keep your church family in prayer. And let's remember to lift up those that are sick in prayer in Jesus' name. God bless you today. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbin Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.